Welcome to the Western North London podcast, where we're not ready for the offseason quite yet. <laughs> I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. And uh, this week we're bringing back Joe Robinson. Welcome, Joe. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, glad to be back celebrating the end of the season. Yeah, we had you on at the beginning of the season to preview it. So we, we thought we'd close the circle. Yeah, close the loop on this nicely. One. Yeah. So, um, We'll, we'll recap what we predicted at the beginning of the season. And I'm, I'm curious to see what, how far off we were. Because uh, I, I guarantee there's a lot we got wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, beers. Let's start there. What do you got, Joe? So I have got uh, a Boulevard Bourbon Barrel Quad Ale. Uh, it's from uh, Boulevard Brewing in Kansas City. Uh, cause it reminded me of possibly my favorite end to the premier league season in recent times. Uh, I was actually working in Kansas city at the time, uh, spent time with the Casey Gooners and it was, uh, when we went into the final day, uh, third behind Tottenham who only needed to win, um, to finish above us and somehow conspired to lose, I think five, two to 10 man Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> good old spurs can always Sounds count on right. them i that feel sounds- i feel like it, it, i feel better telling those spurs stories now that we um actually di- did the deed and, and made sure they were finished below us for once yeah in recent yeah. memory that's it's been a little little difficult to to talk too much trash when they're finishing above <laughs> us <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I love Boulevard Brewing. It's one of my favorite mm. breweries. How and is it's, it? Uh, yeah, it's a, a whopping 12.2%. So we'll see how much sense you get out of me towards the end. <laughs> All right. Not to bury the lead, but mine's a high ABV too. So it could be a fun day. All right. Well, yeah. Tastes taste like I remember. Oh, nice. Very so good. Bourbon barrel aged. Yep. Nice. That sounds good. All right, Tim. What have you What have you brought to the table here? I got a uh, 25th anniversary beer from North Fork Brewing, which is uh, one of my favorite breweries up here. If you ever get a chance, definitely check them out. They do kind of crazy things. It's a winter warmer ale, which is a, uh, and they have a bunch of different malts uh, in there with Chinook and East Kent, so it's not going to be super hoppy as you would expect. Probably going to be pretty sweet. And it's coming in at an 8.2%. So, uh, yeah, I'm on the uh, heavier end of the spectrum as well. Let's see. This doesn't feel right that I have the weakest beer. What is happening? Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic, this beer. Uh, Very uh, coconut. Uh, Yeah, it's. I mean, it's completely the wrong season to be having this beer because it's (laughs) (laughs) definitely dark, malty, sweet. Feels like I should be in a cabin with snow around me, but... Maybe I'm just trying to manifest that because it was a pretty hot one today. Yeah, it's like the the feeling that people get in July where they just want Christmas, you know? Yeah. But yeah, fantastic. I uh, As of everything I've had from North Fork, it's absolutely amazing. Would recommend if you can actually find this bottle. I think this is a little limited edition, so. Well, it, people can go digging for it. They'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Caleb? Uh, so I went, I went to a barbecue recently and one of my favorite things in the world is when you bring beer and then you leave with more than you brought and you kind (laughs) of just have a hodgepodge of whatever other people left behind. Um, 
but the the host was like take take beer or else i have to drink it so i ended up with a bunch of random beers and i don't know why like i've had randomly since i went to bend i keep ending up with bend breweries and <laughs> this this happened by accident I, this is a boneyard oh, yeah. uh and uh their rpm ipa and uh, this this one i've had uh and it's 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 a solid one i i I like I, I like Boneyard. I've had them on tap a few times, and this first first time I've had it in a can. But yeah, yeah, totally solid IPA. But uh, yeah, six point five percent, guys. Oh, that's, that seems weak. Hanging I behind. <laughs> I, I have to drink twice as fast. So that that if I drink six percent. Twice as fast. That's like a twelve percent beer. So yeah, that's that's how the math works, right? Yeah, you're just gonna have to catch up. <laughs> okay. Well, I I have my work cut out for me. Um, Tim, what do you got for your Tim bit? Uh, well, seeing as uh, we're kind of doing an end of the year review, and I think it's going to be a lot of a uh, seriousness and kind of uh, that sort of actual talk. I wanted to know what was your silliest stupidest craziest moment from the the last season what what stuck out for you as like just something absurd that happened for arsenal oh, i just like the look on both of your faces right now it was classic it well it's crazy that we we don't have any like stupid red card incidents to point to how <laughs> yeah. is that possible i know oh Try. we almost did uh that moment against leeds away um when we were winning 1-0, Leeds had already missed a penalty. And, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, oh, I'm having a complete blank on his name. Uh, Bamford. Mm. Bamford pushed over Gabriel, who kind of slightly kicked out as he went down. Mm-hmm. And the assistant referee told the referee to give a red card and a penalty. So we did yeah. have a red card for about a minute until VAR overturned <laughs> it, and it was absolutely mad. I re- yeah, I remember going into that it now. thinking, surely this is going to get overturned. Oh gosh, <laughs> it, you know VAR. I would say it it helps when you're winning. Like this season, definitely, I look at v- VAR like it, it's pretty much the same as as usual. Like the the calls were as bad as they were good you know, kind of had lots of ups and downs, but, um, I like that it, this season, it didn't feel like it was such a drain on the team. Like it felt like we were able to play beyond it. So it was like, we didn't get to blame VAR too much this season for our, our woes. Cause we were playing so much better. Yeah. I mean, I think that actually is a, a case of when you are winning, you tend to not find things to blame as mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a lot easier to stomach kind of if he calls are bad calls when you're still pulling it out. Yeah. And when you have calls like that, that go your way and kind of pull, pull things out for you, it, it does seem like, well, you know, for every, every bad, bad VAR review there, there are a couple that go your way. Yeah. How about you, Caleb? Do you have any, any craziness that sticks out for you this season? Gosh. I'm stumped. I'm I it, it it really is like I feel like I'm usually thinking about the the stuff that we just did absolutely wrong. And there were some pretty bad games here yeah. towards the end, but um there wasn't a lot of like outright bonehead plays that jump out at me right now. 
I guess, conceding to Bournemouth in, what was it, 12 seconds or something. Oh. Yeah, that, okay, if we had like a theme for this season, it was the early goals like that. I would say that could that could qualify on each, each one on its own. Like there was just a lot of uh, lapses of of focus, really, to to the point where it became a, a running theme, which is a bad a bad sign when teams have figured you out and figured out a way to take advantage of something over and over again. It's pretty bad that you can't plug that hole. <laughs> it's weird, uh, it, weird that we don't have a ton of. Uh, Red card, so I'm still amazed by that. Yeah, and Jaka played a lot of minutes, uh, but uh, I guess mine that I would say is that I I discovered the they do the off the pitch the, the YouTube channel for Arsenal has a golf cart karaoke <laughs> and uh, segment, and it's it's actually amazing. They have they interview a player, they drive around on a golf cart, do stupid stuff, but the best part is hearing uh, different players sing like. Uh, 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 Martinelli has a horrible singing voice. In case you didn't didn't know, that doesn't shock me. <laughs> I think I think I'll let him off. Yeah, I, I mean he has other things going on, but uh, that is like my uh, the the moments I've been really enjoying is seeing some of these off the pitch things and getting to know these players and how yeah interesting they can be. <laughs> Would it be hilarious if 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 Martinelli ended up just like like being a really like deep bass? when he's a singer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was not the case. <laughs> Shocking everyone. Yes. Um, okay. Are, are we ready to discuss this, this season? Yeah. Are we going into predictions first or just an overview first? I kind of wanted to r- wrap up how we were, we were feeling about this, this last season, because we, we didn't get to talk uh, last week after, um, after the season ended with the the nice cherry on top of the the end of that awful run, <laughs> and uh, you know go, going out strong against the wolves, I think made everybody feel pretty rosy about the overall season. But how how did you feel, Joe, coming out of this? Um, you know, what would overall I think we had a, a a really decent season, but did you feel that way coming out after the the way things kind of ended yeah i i did i i think we were as everyone always says we're we're still ahead of schedule and scored more goals than we did in the invincible season and actually i think if if the bad results had just been a bit more interspersed we'd have said what an amazing season this was and arsenal are back and all of that it's only because we had such an amazing start and then it tailed off but it seems like it was a disappointing season but i think especially now we've had more time to reflect on it nothing disappointing about that we had a fantastic year yeah i mean my my overall impression is i'm head over heels with this season it's one it's been one of the best ones for me to watch in so long i I, i've just really enjoyed it pretty much from start to finish there was the one down point about oh gosh like i think it was like 11 games before the season end where I actually convinced myself we were going to win. I had not let myself do that the whole season. And then there was just this little window. And then when we lost to city, I realized we weren't going to win the the season, you know, even though we were, we had points on them. I knew kind of how it was going to go. And when, once I internalized that and let it go, I was just, just ecstatic with the season. I think there was great, great soccer. There were uh, great moments, 
you know, that Liverpool game came back, the, uh, the, all the comebacks that we had, uh, the squad feeling is great. And it really does feel like a team on the upswing, you know, like sometimes you go into a seat at the end of the season, you realize that like, there's going to have to be major changes, but this season, it just really feels like we've made progress and it's fun to watch again. Yeah. Going off of what you said, I was just thinking about the, um, kind of the theme that we'd had in previous couple seasons was really just getting everybody to buy in and then getting the right people in, into the, into the, the team. And after, after a couple seasons of, of that slow rebuild and getting, um, getting things turned over and in the right direction, it was nice to see a season where things really started to pay off. Like all of the ups and downs that we'd had in previous seasons, it, it was, it was a slow and, and gradual progression. And I think to have it kind of spike this season and like, uh, Mikel had said, really, like, go uh, go out with a bang. You know, it's like it's it is time to start to start seeing the the fruits of our labor, so to speak. So to have it go this direction this quickly and have it kind of pay off with these young players that are coming up and have um, really been working with Arteta's system for uh, a while now, and it's it's nice to see them really buy in and and get consistent results. Like there wasn't a lot of up and down with the lineups, with the, with the consistency of their, the quality of the team. And it was nice to just have that, um, steady level throughout the whole season and really feel like no matter what happened, everybody was kind of on the same path and in the same mindset that it was going to be, um, it it was a really good step in the right direction. So I think it was, it was just so much positivity this season compared to previous seasons. It's nice to have that same feeling going into the next season and have so much momentum going into champions league. Now. I think one really big difference as part of the fan experience is if Arsenal went a goal down early, you only have to go back a season or two. And if we went down a goal early, that was it. It didn't matter mm-hmm. if it was in the 70th mm-hmm. minute or the first minute. If Arsenal went down, you're like, okay, we're not going to win. Whereas this season, anytime Arsenal went behind, you know, yeah, just a blip, a hurdle, we'll get over it. Yeah. Like, you know, some point in the next 85 minutes, we're going to score. And that yeah. belief was back. Mm-hmm. Def- definitely. I, it, it, it is a, a marked. I, I mean, I tend, if you watch a game with me, in, in real life, I tend to be a little bit of a, a fatalist, a little bit of a Debbie Downer when the game's actually going on. And But this year, as you said, it was just like, I I, I felt we always had a goal in us. And I, I felt we always had a, a comeback. And, you know, we proved that several times to our, uh, you know, our heart's uh, detriment at points. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the other interesting thing I found at the end of the season is the difference from outside versus inside looking at the season every arsenal fan i've talked to and everyone that i've known has been very positive about the season you know despite not winning that it's 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 felt good but a lot of the other fans of other teams and podcasts other podcasts i listen to they're like oh you know arsenal fans must be so disappointed it must feel like a failure you were so close and it's i i wonder if it's just because you know not, not being so involved with the club you don't see how how much we were struggling and how much of an improvement this is they just see us bottling it quote unquote at the end of the season 
I think it's it is interesting to think of this as a failure because it it isn't it isn't a failure in the lens of several seasons, right? Like mm-hmm. we've we can see the the progression, and I think anybody looking at the team knows that they're going to be good for a while. This wasn't a blip. This was something that has been at building and um, something that is they've been able to replicate and, and game over game. It wasn't like they were winning fluky game games. They were finding ways to do the impose themselves on other teams in a consistent way. And we just haven't had that in a while. I think it caught some people off guard and there's always going to be people who are wanting to detract from whatever Arsenal's doing. But I think to the trained eye, this is a team that's going to be dangerous for a while. And and that's, that's a good thing. I think we need more of competition in, in the premier league and having Arsenal back battling for champions league um, on a regular basis is, is, the best case scenario. I mean, we need, we need this to be a, a, a regular thing, not just a one-off season. I mean, it, you, you, you bring up context and that, that is, this is just something I just thought of, uh, outside of context. If this, if this, you just took this season in isolation and, you know, say for example, we don't win, you know, or do well next season, we're just kind of back into eighth place. Would you still consider this season a successful season? Or when we look back at it, is it dependent on the results uh, going forward? Mm. I think we have to look at the, um, you know, it, 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 it is something that we have to keep doing. I can't, I, I can't feel like this season was, I mean, it's, it's an amazing season. I think you have to give it credit for what it is and, and, not not take away from that if we don't meet those levels next season, but it, it would be a big disappointment to me if we weren't able to at least continue be, to be in in the Champions League and be in the fight for the the Premier League. I think you have to uh, anticipate that we're going to continue to go in that direction. And if they aren't able to do that after spending hopefully a lot of money in this off season, that would be pretty surprising. All right, let's talk about uh, preseason predictions. You guys ready? I'm ready. I have I'm not ready. looked at them uh, in quite some time, so I'm I'm kind of excited. I I saw them up there and I quickly closed the uh, the sheet so I could be surprised by predictions. <laughs> I, I glanced at a couple, but I did not go too intensely through this. So uh, I'm actually interested to see what our our categories were. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember what we what we set up here. Um, so first one is, uh, where will we finish? I, I will tell you, nobody got it right. <laughs> I don't uh. think. <laughs> I think I can remember. I was probably thinking fourth place, just getting to Champions League. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I think I, I think I said third. Ooh. Also correct. Nice. Oh. And, and I said, I said fourth, uh, so I, I, we were, we were all incorrect, but mm-hmm. I, you know, nice, nice to get in, not just get into champions league. You know, yeah. I, I, even if you can't win, win the premier league, it, it is, it is a statement, uh, that you're making when you, when you push city, like we did. So I, I, I appreciate how we finished, even if think, the results are the same. I don't think any of us were 
um, thinking Liverpool would take quite the dive that they did. Yeah, right. Exactly. I think I, I, I was just not counting on Liverpool or Chelsea or, you know, there, there's there's so many people fighting for those spots that I, I, I was hedging my bets. And it was and, and, you know, we talked about it very early on in, in, as we were going through this season that uh, really getting Champions League was like my bare minimum for what I would consider a successful season this season. And then since we've hit that and even exceeded that to second place and getting into a genuine title fight, I think it's another way you can say that this was a really successful season, more than just bare minimum success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. Next up, uh, Europa League predictions. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what I said. Okay. Right now, I can't even tell you where we... What we what round we went out at? <laughs> was it first round? First round knockouts. I feel like it was. Yeah, I I, I feel like it was. Uh, what you call it? The Portuguese team. Uh, and so we made it through groups, and then I think it was just the first round of knockout, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, Sporting. Sporting, Sporting Lisbon, yeah, on penalties in the first knockout round. I guess you could say it's the second knockout round, but we got to buy through the first. Oh, that's knockout right. Round. That's right. With all the the uh, Champions League teams coming in. Uh, you're muted, Clay or Clay, Caleb. Don't know how that happened. There we go. Okay, um, I, I somehow blocked out the whole Europa League experience after that. And that was really the, um, that was when Saliba went down. I like that was right after those games. And then I feel like that was kind of when things started going in the wrong direction for Arsenal. So maybe that's why I have negative feelings towards that whole Europa League experience. Before we get too hard into it, what were our predictions though? Okay, here we go. Uh, Tim? You you said a uh, first knockout round, so not bad. Oh, one one uh, one point to Tim. Yeah, there we go. Uh, keep track of your own scores. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said the final, which hmm. uh, I was very optimistic. Apparently, yeah. Um, Joe, you want do you want to take a guess what you said? Uh, quarterfinal? Uh, semifinal. Ooh. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. C- congratulations, Tim. Uh, sorry, Arsenal. Yeah. That was not, not ideal. Not the final that I predicted by any means. Well, I mean, I think you, one of the things is I, I actually watch a lot of Europa League. In some ways, I prefer it to Champions League. There's a lot more parity with the teams. There's a lot more open and the quality is higher than I think people give it credit for. Hmm. And I think it, it actually shows that when we did make that final under uh, Unai Emery, it was a more of achievement than I think people at the time gave it credit. And it's like, of course, you know, English team, of course, is going to romp through uh, and, you know, Arsenal is going to do it. And so I think it's a knockout competition that is very difficult and, you know, we didn't have an English team make it through this year. And it was, uh, what, Roma and uh, uh, Sevilla that made it to the final with Sevilla winning it. So 
it's nice to be in the Champions League, but we have to remember that the the other competitions are are difficult too. Does the results from our Europa League experience make you nervous about our Champions League future at all? I don't think so. I think, as Tim was saying, I think the gap between Europa and Champions League has got smaller. I mean, you know, with the exception of, you know, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, the really big teams, I think, and certainly in the groups, uh, I think there's a lot more parity than there used to be. Agreed. I I think uh, group stage, the difference between Europa League group stage and Champions League group stage isn't a huge gap. It's when you start getting to the latter rounds of the knockout, when you, you know, as you said, the Bayerns and the Barcelonas and those types of teams that, it, that, that the, the, the gap's going to be different. I mean, that being said, I, I am a little nervous about champions league this, this season, unless we can really reinforce because you know, that those are the games where you're really testing your depth. And that was in my opinion, overall, the biggest problem with this season was lack of depth. I, when we're talking about a rebuild, um, yes, it would have been and, nice and, to put it, a cup run together, be it in Europe or the FA Cup or the or the League Cup. Yeah, I, and and I think we're talking about a lot of depth and building that depth, and it is going to be difficult to play all the players and get get all the minutes and be in every competition. I mean, I don't see Arsenal going for the treble anytime soon, but if you're looking at, um, you know, building up this team and, and building a team that can compete regularly for the premier league, as well as the champions league at the same time, I feel like it, that's a scary prospect at this moment. Like we're going to have to really, um, I think you got to put your eggs in the, the premier league basket so that you can keep, getting your your ticket back into the Champions League and just kind of see if you can progress further and further in the Champions League year over year as you develop the the depth that you need to make consistent runs. But this first season in the Champions League, getting back there, I'm very anxious to see like if we're able to build the type of team that can withstand the rigors of of both those competitions. I think obviously the the quality of the Champions League will be a bit higher, but you play your games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, which I think disrupts the pattern um, mm. less than playing on Thursdays. Yes, for Most sure. Definitely. Yeah, that that will be will be nice, and I I think that there is something to the competition rising. I think Arsenal as a young team will step their game up. Like that's that's kind of something that um, I would expect from this group is that to see them really rise to the occasion. I don't, I don't see them going out in the group round by any means. Yeah. But fingers crossed. We'll see how that, that shakes out for us. It would depend on the draw. Like and the champions league changes their rules so often. I forget like what all the different rules are. Does Arsenal get seated based on their position as an English team or is it individual team seated? So like, is, is it, I think it's team team coefficiency based the the country um coefficiency is how many spots you get but i think individually the teams uh, are ranked just on the teams so we're there was at- a, a little bonus from juventus getting their points deduction i think that meant arsenal 
crept into pot two instead of pot I was just going to ask that. Okay, so explain to me why pot two is better. Well, pot two, so you have, uh, when you draw, the the top-seeded teams are all in pot one, and then pot two comes out and you get drawn in there. So it means that you are less likely to play. So when you're in pot three, you're going to be playing against a bunch of teams that are in pot one and two, if that makes sense, because the best teams are going to be in pot one and two. Yeah, if you're in pot three, you are theoretically the third best team in the group of four. Gotcha. And Arsenal have gone from being the best team in pot three to being the worst team in pot two, according to the coefficient. I see. Okay. So it just ups our odds of getting a more favorable group. Yeah, it it, it it avoids us getting maybe like, you know, a Bayern and a, gosh, I don't know who's in pot two right now. Just throw PSG in there. Yeah, PSG. Something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think PSG is in pot one as well. <laughs> But yeah, it we it it sounds like we're in a in a better position to get further in the well, hopefully get out of the group stage. But I, I'm I'm hoping we we at least put a decent run in. I, I would hate to stumble in our first first trip back to the Champions League. I mean, and it is nice to have European football beforehand, so it's not going from out in the cold to Champions League direct. Our players are used to playing in Europe, used to playing multiple games in a week, the the travel, all that. So the Europa League, I think, is a good uh, uh, preparation for getting into the Champions League. Yeah. And a player like Saka, who really cut his teeth in that tournament, I mean, he's got a lot of that experience under his belt for at a young age, which is really nice to have that to, uh, to lean on. Um, so it, it, like you said, it isn't that big of a shock. Hopefully hopefully the the level is... is something this team is ready for when when the season starts um let's get to the next uh pre-season prediction here uh will we make more signings now this one i don't remember what signings we had made at this point um so i don't know if any of us were right <laughs> we made this year um uh, what, I was, think- what was the recording date it was quite was it just before the season started and then yeah. the window went, I think, like a week into the season? Yeah, let me see here. We totally should have uh, done this before, but hey. Yeah, I didn't even think about yeah. uh, looking, looking over these questions. I didn't want to mess things up too much. Um, well, Okay, well, that, that will take a while to find, apparently. But... Um, if I mean, we don't know because I presumably when did we bring in uh, uh, Gabriel and uh, and Zinchenko? Because that was before I, I the season this, started. It, it was yeah they they were we mentioned them in this in some of the other questions so so uh, they had been signed. So I think okay, uh, so you, we, yeah we recorded just after the Crystal Palace game. Oh, okay. Oh no! Sorry, just before the fifth of August, uh, oh, our predictions yeah. came out. So I think uh, the answer to that question—I have no idea what I said—but the answer is that there wasn't really any major, major signings the rest of this year. There, I don't—I don't remember any deadline day signings that were off the wall. And then you know, you can even throw in uh, mid mid season signings. We got Trissard and we got 
Jorginho and Kivyar, which are good signings, but I don't think anything. Well, I guess uh, uh, Trissard maybe would be something that we could talk about. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, Trissard, Jorginho. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it, we did. I guess we did do some um some business in January, but I can't think of anybody else that came. Was Vieira? Kivyar. Okay, so Kivyar and Vieira. Oh wait, I'm trying to think of who who we signed after Jesus and Zinchenko. Well, because Chassard was a January signing. Yeah, Tr- Chassard was January. Kivyar was January, right? Yeah, and Jorginho was January. I don't think we signed anybody else after well, that window. Had we? Had we signed, so we had Vieira, Turner, and Marquinhos. Those came after Jesus and Sinchenko, but did they come before? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if they came after I'm, we recorded this. Uh, I mean, regardless, I think <laughs> the answer is no, nothing major. Yeah. Well, I, it, the amount of money we spent on Vieira, though, that was a decent signing. But... Uh, your prediction, Tim, was no. <laughs> I said I said one more decent signing, and then Joe, you said no. So I guess it's our uh, def- definition of decent signing. Yeah, I suppose. Was it? He was like a 30, 30 million. Yeah, I think decent. That's. That, I feel like that's decent money, but we're gonna blow. Uh, hopefully, blow that out of the water in this transfer window. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, I mean. If the the rice rumors are, are are true, yeah, that's gonna. Well, he probably added a oh, yeah. another ten million to the price today. Oh, that was such a great game today. So I I saw the result, but it was how what was his involvement? Did he have any anything spectacular? Well, he was he was just bossing the midfield, yeah, and doing his 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 normal thing. He didn't score. He didn't even get the assist on the final goal because the first goal was a penalty. Second goal was a beautiful pass from guy starts with an f huh? it wasn't kata it was fa, fa, fa something uh, i believe spanish speaking uh anyways beautiful pass into uh 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 why am i forgetting all of west ham's players right now i just watched bowen. the game huh jared bowen yeah jared bowen thank you I was going to say Barnsley and that was not correct. Uh, uh, and yeah, it was a beautiful pass in the 89th minute, but it, yeah, just rice Declan rice looked great. At least in my opinion, that final and winning a cup. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely going to add a few zeros. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, we, we might talk about that in a couple minutes here, but, um, for now let's talk about top scorer predictions. Jeez. I'll tell you what, we all have the same answer. Anybody want to guess what we all guess? Uh, Gabriel Jesus. Yes, correct. Um, so that was that proved to be incorrect. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know that we could... Uh, I mean, he, he still had a decent amount of goals for having an injury for a few months. I mean, to be out, to be out as long as he did and then still put up 11 goals. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good. And I also think that uh, it was that thing where he started off the season on fire, and then I, I really do think teams started to key in on him, which did open up uh, 
other players to score, which, you know, isn't a bad thing. No, and I, he, he found even when he came back, he found ways to get involved and, and was was scoring, got back to scoring once he got back from injury. So um, putting up 11 goals, still not the best on the team. He's got three players in front of him. Uh, not Saka. But we've got Martinelli and Odegaard tied at 15. Oof. So quite quite a, a productive year for our uh, front group. So I, I, you know, even if it's not J- Jesus, it's it's nice to see such variety mm-hmm. from this team this year. I was watching a compilation of our goals prior to recording tonight, and I I was pleasantly surprised at how much the the entire team contributed this year uh there was you know tyranny had a couple interesting goals you know uh party was scoring from deep a couple times you know saliba had a nice sweeping kick to to put in a goal so So you know did any of our kind of first 11 apart from ramsdale not score a goal this season Um, because Saliba and Gabriel did, Zinchenko did, Ben White did. Let's see. Party did, Xhaka did, Odegaard did, Martinelli, Martinelli and Saka both did, and Jesus did. I'm pretty sure we got goals from everyone in our first eleven, minus minus the keeper. I should put him in for a penalty at some point. I'm just trying to pull up the overall stats because I was just looking at um, Premier League, but if we, well, maybe I can't look at it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I didn't include Europa League in that, but I think that was where Tierney scored his goals and stuff. But so we really did get um, almost everybody involved, but I can't, I lost my page. <laughs> well, let me go back <laughs> on there. Um, but yeah, I, uh, we uh, just had goals from every direction, which I think is a, a big reason this team play or progressed in the way that they did was just finding ways to open up more space for players to work in, putting players in positions that they were more successful in. Uh, you only have to look at Xhaka to know that there was <laughs> something that that clicked for him, and it, it's it was nice to see uh, this this team find ways to to score from all over the field as well. So it, it was just a good change to see the consistency and, and, and find goals from unlikely sources as well. For me, of, of, of those people we were talking about as the, at the top end of the, the scoring chart, seeing Odegaard really step up his scoring game is the, the thing that I'm most excited about. It, it really is showing that he's now both able to provide and finish and if he can continue that form from uh, going on, that's he's going to be such an important part of this team, especially if teams decide to try and shut down Jesus, someone just a little bit further back and being able to both be a goal threat and provide is, uh, yeah, you, you, you can't find that very often. I see that some of those goals just seem to come out of nowhere as well. It was almost when Arsenal were running out of ideas, Odegaard mm. would suddenly pop up with a goal out of nowhere. And that would inspire a comeback or a change of pace or something. I think that was a big part of his evolution this year as, as the captain was just that, that feeling of responsibility 
when when mm-hmm. the team needed a lift and and you see him get get the team together you see them pump up the crowd and it's stuff you wouldn't necessarily expect from a player who's generally comes across as pretty quiet and reserved and not like uh the most boisterous but he also would just step his game up and and show the team how to play and what needed to be done and those moments where you can kind of see him just pull something out of his bag of tricks and create something out of nothing. It was refreshing to see somebody take that mantle on because we've had we've had quite a few different um, captains recently who didn't necessarily live up to expectations. And so it's nice to see somebody that's really taken on that mantle and, and proven that he deserves that that title with the way that he's playing. Um, it's a good segue into our uh, MP- MVP prediction here. <laughs> um, the team, the official team player of the year has not been announced yet. It's I think it's down to Odegaard and Saka probably. Um, and our predictions cover that those bases well. Um, so, uh, Tim, you want to do you remember who you selected as MVP? I have a sneaky suspicion. I did not pick either of those two people. I have a sneaky <laughs> suspicion because I tend to love defenders and was high on a certain player coming into the season. I did Saliba. Uh, no, you, oh. you were, you were more, um, you, you were more basic than you thought you, you were, you picked a Saka. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Uh, and, and Joe, you want to take a, a stab at who you picked? I think I said, Odegaard. You did. And I, I followed your lead there. Um, Unusual that our normal Scandinavian advocate uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't go for Odegaard as well. Yeah. I, I, would you, in retrospect, would it, 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 is, that, is that the MVP in your guys' mind? For me, it's Odegaard. I mean, soccer runs close. It, it's, it's, you know, individual words in soccer also are kind of silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can say whether players played well, bet or but like really to kind of split hairs between what soccer provided for the team and what Odegaard did is, I don't know, hard, difficult if not impossible. But I think you know, taking on the as you were talking about the captainship and really, really showing us a different side of the the theme and what Joe was saying about really scoring these goals out of nowhere that have lifted the team just kind of would push it over the edge for me. Yeah, it's, it it is, um, it is something that I hope he builds on. Like I, I, he seems to be growing in this team. He seems to be moving in the right direction. Um, and I think you put the big piece that I see for, for this team that they need to figure out in the off season is that, that Shaka replacement. And pairing somebody on the other side of the field of, as, as Odegaard to draw defenders or take advantage of the space that Odegaard creates or take advantage of the passes that Odegaard can see, um, somebody to fill that role and really um, pick up where Xhaka left off or improve on it is, I think, a, a key to kind of getting to that next level. So hopefully they're able to go sign somebody that can um, pick up where where Xhaka left off and, and move that further. Uh, up the field in, in scoring. Who's your, who's your MVP, Joe? Would you? I, I would say Odegaard as well. Just the the way he's taken things to another level. I'm, you know, I don't think I can add anything more to what you've both already <laughs> said. So the next one that we had we had was breakout player, and I think um, Tim, this is this is where 
yeah. you you uh you you went got to go outside the box. So uh you wanna make a guess? Uh I know I said Saliba for one of these things, so I'm just going to keep on going down the Saliba road. <laughs> you, you nailed it. It was Saliba for you. Uh, Joe, what, what do you think? This is the one answer I actually remember, because I oh. said Reese Nelson. <laughs> you did indeed. Because <laughs> I remember my, my dad listened to the podcast and just ripped into me for it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had that. He scored a couple of goals against Nottingham Forest, and I was like, oh, oh. Tokyo can happen, and that's then he got injured. Yeah, and then you know, obviously he had that amazing moment against Bournemouth. But I'm not sure you could call him the breakout star. Yeah, you know that that Bournemouth the goal was oh. one of my favorite moments of the season, though. So I, I give him that to really put a uh, a highlight in the in a really good season to to pop out like that on my mind. I think is pretty amazing. Most exciting player, Reese Nelson. Okay, so qu- quick side note: it, it sounds like he he may take a, a contract extension of maybe maybe four years. What? How does that make you feel inside? Uh, in some ways, I kind of I, I I'm I'm still not sure about Reese Nelson. I I, mm. I want him to do well. If he is our only backup as striker, it makes me nervous. Uh, it, it protects our investment. Four years means that we, we can sell him after next year for a decent amount of money still, if he's still at a semi-decent level. I mean, it depends on the wage structure and all that that fun jazz. But, he, I mean, we saw he has potential. He's made some of our best moments, but that's kind of been his whole MO, I think, throughout his Arsenal career, is flashes without consistency. I think so long as he understands what his role in the team is and that's you know to come on in the last 20 25 minutes and either help to see the game out or to just try and make something happen um because i just don't see him displacing martinelli or saka mm-hmm. i think there's definitely minutes there for him we need somebody who can like he he's the he's not um you know nelson's gonna come on and not really produce i mean we just know that it's it, it we, we don't see goals from the bench too often from him so at least we can hope that uh uh i don't know reese nelson can can fill in where we haven't really been getting goals you know it, it is it has been a difficult thing to pull on count on emil smith row or some of these other guys to come Pablo Vieira has is has been coming off the bench frequently, just not seeing a lot of production at that end. So hopefully Reese Nelson can figure out how how to recreate what he did at, at Bournemouth and, and make an impact when he gets the minutes. I think he's definitely been our most impactful player from the bench, though. Yeah, because we yes, you know, Enketia no goals from the bench. No. Smith Rowe never really did anything. Vieira, I think a lot of the times actually made us worse because he. <laughs> Come on for Odegaard. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got, you know, there was the Bournemouth game where he made a goal and he scored a goal. The Southampton game where he very, very nearly found the fourth goal for Arsenal in that game. Yeah. Um, so. He's he's yeah. definitely lively. I think it's just get, getting him consistent time. He's just been a player that's been hampered by injury. And when he gets... The, he, he, like like you said, Tim, he has these moments 
and that's kind of been his um it's built his reputation but he kind of has to show up and actually be consistent when he gets the opportunity so now that he's hopefully injury free for a while he can build on some of the goodwill he's built up to earn himself a, a contract extension but when you're rebuilding this team or continuing to build this team in, in the depth, he's not a bad player to have considering you could go out and spend a bunch of money on somebody who could be a crapshoot. I mean, at least you know what you have in Nelson and he's, he's come up through the system and is it generally liked if they're offering a, a contract extension, I think. I think we'll see him a lot in preseason considering mm-hmm. Martinelli's injury and mm-hmm. maybe that will then extend into the first few games of the season as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's like with the Enkedia thing, you know, how he's he's not a, a very productive guy off the bench. I, I think uh, you, you kind of bank on on Nelson kind of being the um, insurance if, if Enkedia is not going to be uh, showing up when he gets the opportunities. Uh, all right. Most surprising thing to happen. Wait, wait, is... wait. Hold on. We didn't hear your prediction for breakout player, oh, nor did we discuss right. who was the breakout player. Oh, you're right. I'm skipping ahead. Yeah. Okay. I guess Zinchenko. Oh. Um. I so breakout player should be <laughs> blank. Who who is uh, the guy? I'd say it's an interesting choice to have an established Premier League winner as the breakout player. <laughs> <laughs> For, yeah. Well, you know, breakout breakout player for <laughs> Arsenal. Because <laughs> <laughs> you could say, I could see an argument like in some ways for Zinchenko because I do think he was better than expected in my, 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 my mind. At least when we were talking about the two players that we got from City, most, of it, most people were focused on uh, Jesus and it was kind of Zinchenko was an afterthought. And for me, he was much more meaningful in, to the team than uh, Gabriel. So I can see that. Can you also say that uh, Jaka, best breakout player? <laughs> Redemption. Best arc. Yeah. Who, who, who's your breakout player, Joe? Uh, I think I'd have to say Saliba. Yeah. Like, mm. He absolutely yeah. revolutionized that defense. And I think you formed an amazing, amazing partnership with Gabriel. And you really saw how much we missed him late on. Suddenly, without him, uh, party's game went to pieces um, and they just seemed like we were making a lot more mistakes and panicking a lot more at the back and that was kind of spreading into the midfield of it as well. I'll take that so I can have two check marks on my uh, predictions right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Saliba. I, I would not have predicted his like breakout player. I think it, it implies that we are surprised with how they performed but my the real surprise for me is just how reliant we ended up being on what he brought to the team like i did i I don't think i expected the the way we play to be so impacted by the way he plays yeah and you can make a really good argument for you know our turn in form as uh minor or major as it was being related to when he became injured and did not come back and 100%. You know, that's when we started losing some of those games that we shouldn't have been losing and and, and things like that. 
Yeah, because Astro said it, it, it had that ripple effect to party and that uh, an effect going forward. We weren't creating, we weren't controlling. The things that we had built our season on were more difficult to create. So, yeah, I'd say it most most important player. I don't know if that's most valuable player, but you know, most important player to the way our season ended up ended was was Saliba for sure. Um, okay, oh, we got it. we we did that properly. I can move on to most surprising thing to happen this season. Um, <laughs> I remember what Tim said. I remember what I said too. Yeah, and who'd have, who'd have thought? Um, so yeah, Tim, you, you, what this did you close. say? I said Arsenal would win the league. Uh huh. And uh, we let's see. <laughs> Okay, so we've got uh, our, our uh, yeah, win the league. Joe said, "Win at Anfield." Win at Anfield, yeah. I think those and, those two could have gone hand in hand if that yeah. result had been a win. <laughs> exactly. We could have both been right. Gosh, <laughs> we were both yeah. so close, so so close. Like this was the season for both of those things to almost happen. Um, and then I had a clean clean sweep of Spurs. Ah, you got point for you. Yeah, look yeah. at you. You got I, your first point. Who'd have thought? I I'm I'm glad to get that one. That one oh. makes me feel extra happy. Oh. It's it, yeah, and you know, talking about Spurs and their season, and it's been. I always, I you know, you try and be objective when we're talking about soccer and everything, but it's hard to be objective about Spurs. But I always, I do see Spurs as a foil to us, as in they tried to build the wrong way. And they had that period where they, they, they could have won the league and they could have won the champions league. And instead of being smart, patient building from within, which is what we're doing in our project, they hire Mourinho, they hire Conte, they spend a bunch of money unwisely become way too reliant on two players. And you can see they're kind of reaping that short termism right now. Yeah. So, okay. They are hiring a new coach as we speak. It sounds like, uh, from Celtic. Yeah. Pugli- I'm sorry. I cannot pronounce his name. Poglio. Koglu. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for our Greek fans out there. <laughs> yeah. He sounds That's I, a tough one. I read. I an, could probably do it better if I had it in front of me. Yeah, I he I read an interesting article on the Guardian about him, and he has had an interesting career trajectory. And uh, the parallel that the article was making was one with uh, Arsene Wenger, which he you know came. He had a middling career, uh, coached really well in the A League, and then went to the J League and really uh, uh, did well in the J League. I forget the team he played. I think it was Osaka, but um, don't quote me on that. And, you know, coach the Australian national team to some of their biggest success on the, uh, the continent there in the Asian qual in the Asian, uh, cup win. Uh, he seems like he does seem like they're course correcting that it's a smart choice with a, a build. It's whether the fans will give him the chance to build. I did. I saw a few, uh, Celtic or Celtic games or Celtic games. Uh, I did watch the uh, recent cup final against, uh, uh, Caledonian thistle and they look like a well-oiled machine. So I think it's a smarter management choice than they have in the last two choices. I'd never really liked Mourinho or Conte there. So again, I could see Spurs not being as 
dire this year as they were last year. I I think he's going to get fired. I think he's good. I think there's so much pent up demand for a trophy that there's very little patience. I I think they're going to have a tough time keeping the crowd at at bay if if they're not rebuilding properly. I think they have to have something to show for it. Their stadium seems quite toxic at the moment. Mm -hmm. I think if the first five games don't go well, then, Mm -hmm. you know, the tide is against him. Yeah, it was it was this I remember we were having that conversation, you know, kind of early-ish on in Arteta when it wasn't necessarily going great. And and one of the things that I, I always asked was like, who else would you get? There's not a, a, a great availability of long-term great managers out there right now. You know, especially Pochettino, I think got swept uh swept up by uh Chelsea and then uh Several of the people that they that Todd Damas said no because of the culture of the club right now that is so toxic, and it shows how wise of a choice and how strong Arsenal, the the board and every said to stick with Arteta, which is going to be when we look up back on this. I think such an important thing. Yeah, I I don't know this coach well, but I I'm curious if he has had a history of of doing this rebuild process or going through a, a you know, this, this sort of pressure, I, I don't know what he's had to go through, but yeah. I think it's, it's a tough, it's a tough leap to go into premier league as it is. But if you haven't had that sort of experience, I think it's going to be tough to get the buy-in from a hodgepodge of players that I don't know what they're going to be like once Kane moves on or some of these other, um, longtime Tottenham players move on like it, it's it's up to this coach to kind of figure out what the culture is and I don't know if he's that kind of guy so uh, to be fair to him he uh took over uh uh uh, uh Celtic I never know to say Celtic or Celtic I always get confused Cel- which is Celtic Celtic it's it's the basketball team and the soccer team and I know one's one way and one's the other way but I always forget which one's which so uh with with uh Celtic I uh, <laughs> He took over right when Rangers had won the the Scottish Premiership, and it was a big deal that Celtic was not winning the Premiership, and he lost his first five games in charge, and the fans started to turn on him. But he he apparently has a very good rapport with fans and stuck with him, and now he's kind of become a club legend at Celtic. Mm. So he does have that experience. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, to see. There is there is a fair fair leap though between the Scottish League and the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You look at the last Scottish League winning manager who came to the Premier League, Steven Gerrard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Couldn't make that it is... work at Aston Villa. Yep. That is true. Uh, and he, you know, Brendan Rodgers has had his a good run with Celtic as well. And it, it's, it, it's yeah. a different story sometimes when you make that leap. Um. All right, what do we got? I think this is our last category here. <laughs> this is such a dumb category now. Oh my gosh. Okay. Dumbest red card. <laughs> <laughs> what do we say? I want to Uh okay. Uh if if you want to make a guess, I I don't know if you. I'm pretty sure I said Jaka. <laughs> you actually said uh, a Jesus high boot. Oh, sweet! <laughs> not, not not a bad guess. Yeah. 
Um, okay. Joe, what do, what do you think you said? I think I said a defender, but I can't he, remember. This is uh, <laughs> Ramsdale with a deliberate oh, handball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I had Tommy Asu with a, a, a slow foul. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So no points for any no, of us. Nobody. Nobody gets any of that. Thankfully. So, uh, Tim, I think you win. I think your two points was the winner. Well, you guys got one for Odegaard. I, de- uh, I think it depends. Yeah. I, did, you, did you take a point for Arsenal not making any more summer signings? Uh I don't think I did, because I think what what was there any no oh so it was three points then. Okay, so if you have three, then I have two. Yeah. Yeah. There you well, go. You, you're the Tim you're the official a... oracle. <laughs> yes. God, now you next know year all. when we do this uh, prediction thing, I'm gonna get them all wrong. So. <laughs> um. So speaking of predictions, I did want to look ahead a little bit, but not not to next season. Just wanted to talk about the offseason a little bit. You know, we've got I, I was reminded today that Arsenal are playing in the MLS All-Star game. <laughs> totally forgot about that. Yeah. Uh that's happening. Um, but the transfer window is upon us here. And so I'm sure everybody's itching for some some news, something to happen. But um I wanted to ask we we know nothing, obviously, but uh Speak First for yourself. Off, okay, I I know nothing. <laughs> uh, what what do you think we we tr- we try to do in this off season as far as um, filling filling needs? Uh, Joe, what do you what do you see as our big big needs that we need to fill up this season? Uh, I think we have uh, two glaring needs, uh, and that is a holding midfielder and uh, whatever position Jacka plays midfielder. <laughs> yeah and i was i was i had this kind of weird hunch that we were going to sign bellingham oh man that would have been quite the the statement yeah you know young english team with plenty of english players in it and and but it looks like he's going going to madrid for about about 100 100 million or so which i think we could have afforded if we'd you know Maybe not not gone for one of Caicedo or Rice or something like that, but yeah. I, I don't know. It was it was kind of in my head that that was going to be a move that Arsenal were going were going to make. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, oh, that would have been. It was a like friend of the show, Jordan. He was uh, predicting that. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Oh, Holland was going to come to Arsenal last uh, last off season. <laughs> Just because of the uh, connection with uh, with Odegaard and Arsenal making a statement, but I mean, getting back to the original question, I think uh, I'm I'm not necessarily going to focus because I think Joe said exactly our biggest needs, mm. but uh, I really hope we get quality depth in this team because in in my mind, really, the season hinged on the fact that we had a couple key injuries and the depth behind those key injuries were were not up to par you know you look at center back that the sleeve's replacement is definitely love the guy but not up to par uh you look at a striker when jesus going down you know reese nelson had some some good times but uh we need 
to bump it up. And I, I, I love El Nani is another player I love as a player and I think is a good stopgap occasionally, but is not up to the level that we need if we're seriously going to be title contenders, which I think is going to be our goal next year. I think it was a slight issue of strategy this mm-hmm. year because the, the strategy seemed to be on instead of going really deep with quality, it was have a few players that can play in multiple positions. Mm-hmm. And I think just the fact that Saliba and Tomiyasu happened to get injured in exactly the same game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were essentially covering cover for each other meant that the two injuries seemed way worse than they would have been. Yeah. If a more like individual depth strategy had been in place. But I think we'll transition more to that. Now we have Champions League that can help bring players in. Well, I'm I'm hopeful that they don't just put all their eggs in the the rice basket. <laughs> Sounds weird, but um, you know there there is some areas that I like. I, I feel like, like I said, that Jaka role um, is is an interesting one because there you know there's talk that Rice could push forward and maybe do some of that and and still be a a, a, a really good defensive player higher up the field if he can um, create turnovers in that area and, and make runs into the box and maybe open up a, a different part of his game. But um, if not, that I, I think if you're spending a ton of money on him to fill in the uh, that defensive midfield role that um, you know we've kind of been relying exclusively on party to fill. Um, you, ha- you have to save save something for you know if you're going to go after Casado, you got to save some money if you're going to fill that Jaka role. Um, so it, it is it is interesting to hear these hundred million numbers being thrown around, and I'm I'm really curious what Ar- what Arsenal is actually willing to spend and and what they can get back for um, some of these players that are surplus at this point because uh, if we're tossing a hundred million on one player. Um, I'm, I'm, I I do feel like there's probably three or four players that we need to to fill things out, and that's it seems like a, a lot of money that we have to spend to to get to that point. Well, I mean, it's interesting when you're talking about the Jaka role because I just read an article this morning that that deal isn't as done as we're all thinking it is. Arsenal has been kind of dragging their feet, waiting to see if they can get the replacement in before they sell mm-hmm. it. That that was. You know, this morning on Ars Blog News, that uh, well, everyone's kind of said it's a done deal. It's not necessarily a fully done deal yet. Yeah, one of the transfer window isn't even open yet. Yeah, (laughs) right. Um, one of the rumors I I liked that well, I found interesting. I will say, uh, is is the Gundogan Mm. uh, rumor and. Uh, what what do you guys feel about hearing us connected to that sort of signing where it, it is um, maybe replacing some of the experience and um, you know, kind of that, that good uh, winning mentality that we tried to bring over with uh, Jesus and Zinchenko. I mean, anytime we're trying to uh, recruit from man city, we're, we're hoping that they can bring some of the magic with them, but um would you guys welcome another uh, man, former Man City player to the ranks? I I get nervous about that. All right. I think I like Gundogan. 
I, I, I think he would be a good signing in, uh, in a lot of ways. My, my two reservations are first, I'd be, I would still be surprised if city lets him go. He is an integral part of that city team. He does do a job and scores important goals and is an important part of that team. He, he has been key to their big finish to the season. Mm-hmm. So I'd be, I, I, I'd be a little surprised if they actually let him go, especially to a title rival. I think that would be an uh, interesting strategy on their end, unless they know something we don't. The other side of it is I get a little bit nervous just because we, when we tried to do that with buying a bunch of old Chelsea players because of the connections and it, that turned out horrible, I, would, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want us to be Man City B squad. I, I, I get nervous about being over-reliant on just signing players for Man City because Man City's good. Yeah, I, I I I have my reservations as well, but I I do think he's a quality player, and if they were able to make a a, a pass at that, if they were able to get a a player of that quality for a, a reasonable fee, I think that's a great great sort of depth piece that that can really raise the level of the team. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much money into that sort of signing. Uh, that would be my concern is that they would have to. Um, do do a little bit more to lure him away, and you, I doubt there'd be much sell on potential yeah. with him. Right? Yeah, it'd be last big contract. Is he 30, 32, 33? It seems about right. I actually don't know the n- number off the top of my head, but it seems about right. And you know, one of the things I think about with the rice situation, well, click, uh, well, uh, Caleb looks up his age. <laughs> is, yeah. Uh, is the uh, the idea that we might be doing the same thing we kind of did with Mudrik, which is we're kind of bait and switch and driving up the price while we have someone else in mind. Mm. Because, you know, I know Bayern's uh, looking at him. I think uh, my Chelsea friend was saying that Chelsea's looking at him. I, he, I think he's a very hot property right now. Mm. So it might get to the point where his price is overvalued. And I think, I have a lot of confidence in our front office right now that they see when a player gets overvalued, like the like Mudrik, and are able to pivot. Yeah, they know they know when to fold. Yeah. Um, Gundogan is is thirty two. Oh, look at you, Joe. I think you should get a retrospective point on that. <laughs> I saw. I, I find myself increasingly troubled that players around my age are now considered, you know. <laughs> too old <laughs> welcome to welcome to my world <laughs> um yeah so it, it i don't see the arsenal splashing major cash on a, a player 32 um who else were we just talking about right before that I, it's coming to me declan rice yes Bellingham. All of them. No. Um, yeah. Just thinking about um, the rice deal, actually, the the idea that, um, you know, Arsenal's done a lot of work to, to kind of get him to make some commitments before the the actual uh, window opened. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to that. Of course, you know, there's there's pre-work that's all, always done with um, talking to players and making sure that they're amenable to your your conditions for contract and and kind of softly starting that process early is is pretty normal but i'm, I'm yeah. curious with with how much work arsenal 
has done, if that makes any difference once the money starts flying between these other teams. Um, even if he does want to go to Arsenal, I don't know how, how much that plays a role. It's the kind of the, the tapping up that was um, such a big deal in the early 2000s is now just <laughs> commonplace. Yeah, no, no one cares about that it, <laughs> anymore. Yeah, I mean, but I, do, I, I do think that it doesn't, like all these pre-agreements and until the player holds a scarf up in the stadium, none of this actually matters. A player can change their mind at any point. And it it would be, you know, we've seen it before where, you know, a little bit more money will turn a player's head. There's very little sentimentality these days in, in, in players. They're just going to generally go with a better contract, especially if they're going to a team who also has champions league and the other things we can offer. I do think Arsenal do ca- carry a bit of extra weight at the moment though. It's a young squad and it's exci- it's exciting um, playing amazing football. You know, if you're not overly concerned about money, you wouldn't go to Chelsea at the moment. Mm. You wouldn't go to Tottenham. I mean, Man United, they, they, they run a bit hot and a bit cold. You know, Arsenal's yeah. an attractive place to be at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I could, but I do think that like Bayern is a, a a true place that I think any player would go, and we're seeing a, a good trend of English players going over to Germany and uh, enjoying this, enjoying success. I think Bayern's going to be a very interesting team next year. <laughs> so they they may have a little bit of that same team in crisis mode, even though they just won the league, which just baffles the mind. But <laughs> like PSG, constantly yeah. in crisis. Always winning the league. Yeah. <laughs> I guess expectations is where it comes from. <laughs> um, they are. Uh, it, there's always those teams. They just seem to uh, stumble, stumble their way forward. Some stumble <laughs> their way to success. I love it. It's like Schrodinger's cat with PSG. Somehow they're you know losing and infighting to you know some tiny French village team. Yeah, uh, but also they're twelve points clear all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's that It's a in Germany the uh, the nickname for uh, Bayern Munich is FC Hollywood because there's always great drama to be had watching them. <laughs> uh, so the uh, we should talk about the other side of the coin here. Not not the transfer window goes both ways. So uh, what do you think, uh, Tim? Do you, do you have any predictions as to any surprise players that will go out? I mean, we can, we know we know pretty much that that Jaka will go somewhere. I'm I'm imagining. I don't know if if the the deal is necessarily done with uh, uh, was it Leverkusen, but the uh, the the smoke is there. So I'm imagining he's going to go somewhere. Do you yeah. do you can, do you think somebody else will will follow? I mean, I, that is surprising. So, I mean, it's always interesting because surprise, surprising is, I guess, a subjective term. I'm really seeing that Smith Rowe might be a player that Arsenal is willing to let go for the right price. I have a feeling a guy I've seen. I don't know anything, as you mentioned before, but he's a player that has a decent value and has not necessarily played up to his potential with Arsenal. I know there's injuries and getting back and we have, I think a lot of depth pieces or players in front of him at this moment in his position. And I know it pains a lot of Arsenal fans to talk about this, but I think it, I don't think it would be a horrible idea either to 
if we can get real money for him to let him go. I'd be surprised. Yeah, yes, but I, I, yeah, I, I, I think you're you're in the right right area as far as the the type of player that we could we could uh, maybe get swayed by a, a good money offer. But I don't know. I, I he's also like you can um, bank on him as decent depth without having to spend money. So I don't know. Uh, you know, I, you will say Arsenal came out and said, "Oh, you know, Smithrow is not for sale. He's very much in the plans and all that." You know, is that a kind of bargaining chip just to get an extra mm. 10 million on the price? Or is that the truth? It's hard, I, hard to know in in the market. I, I always see that when they come out and say something like that of like, hey, he's for sale. You're just going to have to plump up some money. It's like reminding people that he exists in the press and creating those things. I, I think it's always a, a, a savvy move because you don't have to say that at all. You know, if he's not for sale, he's not for sale. If, it, if a player is truly not for sale you don't even have to say that you just like when they come knock is it, get the, is it the, the equivalent of uh the board has total faith in the manager exactly right <laughs> and he's gone the next day um yeah i th- i think he could he could be somebody that they're putting in the shop window maybe sneak in a sneaky way what about you joe do you have a, any uh surprise outgoings or eyebrow raising outgoings i'm not convinced there's going to be any surprises i think we've all kind of resigned ourselves to the fact that tierney might be going mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um sorry my cat is flicking the blind so i don't know if you can hear that <laughs> <laughs> we've been uh, on um, camera we've been seeing a lot of your your cat come through yeah. which has been lovely uh, <laughs> and i think uh one of uh or balligan will go hmm yeah, but I don't, I don't think either of those are, are surprises. I think potentially a surprise could be party. Yeah, because we don't really have any cover. So yeah, that I don't know. that that How is a name I'm curious about. Yeah, I mean he was so good and so important in the first say two thirds of the season. Mm-hmm. So it's I think there's a lot of recency bias about party because he's had quite a bad end to the season you kind of forget that he was so important at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I mean, another player that I've just read an article about was uh, Turner. And uh, although he's mentioned enjoying getting better, he's definitely not excited about the amount of minutes he's played. And he's another player that we could look to move on and get a backup. I think if you're, if you're playing for a national team, You've you've mm-hmm. got to be the first choice somewhere. Yeah, and, it, and I think he's definitely shown that he can play at a level that would suit other teams, where he could be a starter in in uh, maybe another Premier League team, maybe a, a, a yeah. I'm not sure wh- where he would fit best, but you know, I think he's he's shown he can play at a decent level. Yeah, I think there's going to be a bit of a goalkeeper merry-go-round this summer because i think man united are looking to bring in a goalkeeper and some are saying that goalkeeper might be pickford so then obviously everton are in the market for a goalkeeper and maybe they take turner maybe they take a goalkeeper from someone else who then goes on to take turner so who knows that would be interesting um we do we do have some uh need for depth at 
striker as well, I think. Do you guys do you guys see that as an area of need or do you feel like that would be a little bit of a luxury at this point? I mean, it, it, you did mention Enkedia and, and or Balogun moving on. Um, that it that does feel like we're we're thin when when Jesus goes down. I think we addressed a little bit of that in the last summer window with uh, Trissard. I'd like to see having Trissard have a full year to kind of train or a full off season to train with the team and see it because that was the idea when we picked up Trissard that is that he could pick up some minutes as striker. I also mm-hmm. don't think the Martinelli as striker. Uh, window is closed yeah i i would love a new striker i think i've been banging a drum on that for a a minute but i think there are very larger concerns like the midfield that joe was talking about maybe even some defensive positions that need a little bit more cover before we i guess i i I think what i would say is i would like a world-class striker or nothing at that point (laughs) you know Hmm. I, I do think like a uh, some sort of plan B type player. Yeah, the plan B striker gets banded around a lot. Like basically, can we get Olivier Giroud but fifteen years younger? <laughs> so something of that nature where it isn't it isn't the same profile as as Jesus. We need I, I think just something that plays and and allows us to do something different with the with the way we, that we move the ball forward. Um, not to say the the nice thing with Jesus is you can, if, if it's not working, you just roll him out to the wing and put another striker in, and all of a sudden you've got a different look. Um, so the, the, that is the nice part about what Jesus does is that he he is very versatile and can um, pop up anywhere on the field and and complement someone else playing in that position. So someone who who can really um, play off of of that um, dynamic that he brings and. Uh, Hopefully, we, we have so many decent crossers. It would be nice to have somebody who can get on the end of well, those. It, well, it's looking like Val Veghorst is going to be available. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, it, it it will be interesting to see with the who ends up on the castaway market here because there's there's bound to be some in, uh, interesting names that get cut loose. I was just going to say we could uh, pull recently retired Zlatan Ibrahimovic out of retirement and uh, bring him in. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm sure he would love the the dramatic re- return from retirement, like <laughs> a couple weeks later. <laughs> I just want his Zlatan Arsenal jersey. That's that would be my oh dream. Oh my gosh, could you imagine? Um, uh, anybody else want to make a bold prediction on uh what what Arsenal might do in this transfer window? I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more of the same, which is I think that our board is actually pretty smart at this point. I don't think there's going to be a lot of crazy surprises. I don't think you're going to overpay for a Neymar or like do anything crazy. I think they have a plan. They have a plan B, they have a plan C and they just stick to it. And sometimes that's frustrating as fans because we love these transfer rumors and we love talking, talking shop, but I think it's going to be a pretty straightforward window. Would you would you have taken Messi for a year? Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I don't know how much playing time he'd actually get. <laughs> but Messi off the bench seems like a good uh, a good thing to have. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, I'm. I, I I don't know if I have anything that's ultra bold, but I I 
I'm hopeful that uh, if if we're able to make a hundred million dollar signing, that uh, we we can spend at least fifty million or more on a second player. That's that would be my bold prediction: is that we really splash a lot on a couple different players. I, I mean, the noise is coming out from the club is that we are spending. It's not like trying to retrench. I think they are going to take the prospect of this Champions League money and really reinvest heavily. They're not trying to scrape off the top like uh, United's ownership has done. So, Yeah, I think with the amount of players that that could be outgoing, um, there's definitely going to be a, a bit of money to to throw around. So I'm hopeful that we, we see a couple maybe high-level signings that are... Um, we're, we're going to get linked with a lot of interesting names for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely ready for a roller coaster of a uh, of a transfer window. Not as bad as Newcastle. I think Newcastle is going to have a lot of rumors swirling around them. So it's it'll be, uh, but it'll still be interesting for us. It, it's bizarre now to see all these players getting. You know, we had the 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 China League pulling players in our recent past and now it seems like this uh um saudi arabian league is the the be all end all where everybody's going they're signing a new player every day so it'll be interesting as as these other other leagues with big money are are in the mix how much they're gonna be a factor in this this uh transfer window i mean you know talk taking that seriously i think it's just kind of like the mls where you're you're only ever going to get players at the end of their career that aren't that interested in staying in the conversation. Cause like even personally with Ronaldo, I forgot he existed since he moved over to uh, like, you know, like everyone's always see a random article of him doing something or not doing something, but you really fall off the face of the earth. So when you go to MLS, when you go to China, when you go to Saudi Arabia and any player that is serious about extending their career, being in the national team conversation, any of that is not really going to look at those offers seriously unless it's like absurd amounts of money. You saw that with, uh, what's his name? Witzel from uh, the Belgian league who's on uh, Dortmund. Now he uh, went over to China kind of in the peak of his career and he fell off the face of the earth and left after two years. Cause he was like, he wanted to be back in the conversation that people was still in his prime and still wanted to be on the team. I remember Ramirez left Chelsea for China as well. And again, disappeared. Like, you know, a few months later, there was a a very unpleasant story about him being racially abused by crowds. But football-wise, there were no stories. Mm -hmm. And he just, yeah, disappeared. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm sure that the, um, the goal of this league is to drive as many eyes towards that league. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of doing the the MLS thing where they're you know working to bring these players in and then kind of placing them on different teams to try to spread out the. Let, um, let Saudi Arabia have golf. They can have golf, but leave <laughs> leave leave the ball alone. It, yeah. it's inevitable they're going to start taking over pretty much every every sport you love. <laughs> take take it out from under you. Uh, so that yeah, that's it is an interesting uh, wrinkle to this this uh transfer window but i i think i think we're finally finally coming out of that um 
post-COVID malaise where everybody was still kind of reeling from the lack of ticket sales from um, the the previous season. We've kind of dug out from under that. Everything seems to be fully back to normal as far as the spending goes. So I think as far as the the trends, it it seems like it's going to be a a really big spending um, season, especially uh, especially with the uh, coaching carousel being what it is. It seems like with every new coach, there has to be a rebuild. So there's lots more money splashed around to try to um, right the ship, so to speak. But, you know, it, it, even though these teams like Tottenham can spend a lot of money, it doesn't mean they're spending it smartly. So I'm curious to see as, as the uh, Newcastles and that sort of uh, team jumps in and spends a lot of money are, are, there's just going to be some really dumb money going around out yeah, there. I'm, put... I'm wondering if the the Chelsea and Todd Bowley are going to make any more mad signings, or if my, they've uh, topped out already. My buddy, uh, who's a Chelsea fan, has been talking to me about the uh, the the rumors going that way, and it seems like they're at least the on the rumor side of things, it's seeming like they're spending a lot of money this window as well. It's insane the the amount that gets spent. You know, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But um, man, I, 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 I'm glad that Arsenal's in the position that they're in finally, and and to kind of peak at this moment when when things are kind of taking off again, to um, be in the position to kind of lure some of these big names and not kind of be a a team that necessarily has to over overspend to draw players in. Um, it's it's kind of the perfect time to be ahead of schedule and and mm. be a second place team in the premier league. Cause I think beyond just being in the, um, uh, in the champions league again, it was really a state, a statement of intent to, to play second and say, Hey, we're, we're, we're in, we're in for the premier league as well. So, you know, I think that's a, an attractive project at this point. Yeah, and, you know, we've also done it the, the quote unquote right way, at least how I view it the right way, where you're looking at our key players and they're players that we've developed ourselves have come through our academies that we've bought young, give them the time and they've come through, you know, we're lucky that we found Sokka and gave him the time because he's a player that, you know, would be commanding the prices of uh, Declan Rice right now. And we, he's the third most valuable player in the world. Yeah. That's insane. And, you know, they even Martinelli, who's, you know, not necessarily Academy product, but we got him young, brought him in and brought him through and gave him the time to find his feet. Same with Odegaard. Like it's, it's a smart way. It's just a patient way. You have to be very patient with these things. And, uh, you know, we've shown that we've had that patience. I'll make another, I'll make another not so bold prediction in that, um, Edu will definitely go digging in Brazil again to try to find an, another Martinelli. Yeah. So I, I would imagine another Marquinhos like signing from the, the depths of, of the Brazil, Brazil league. Then, um, I think he's he's got his his finger on the pulse there, so it wouldn't surprise me if there was if he hits it again. Um, okay, I, I had to bring it up because of uh, Joe's kit here. It reminded me that we have uh, new kits this season, and uh, one of them is an homage to the one that Joe is oh, wearing. A very slick kit, by the way, Joe. I saw it right when you came on. I um, this, this is a, an audio medium. This is the uh, the green kit from. Oh, I'm gonna get the year wrong. 
No, I don't even know what year it's from. Isn't it like <laughs> uh, the, J, the JVC? The JVC is. I think it's eighty-two, something like that. I was yeah. just looking it up because of the uh, the new kits coming out. On yeah, I I don't know if they've they haven't announced that one officially, but I th- I'm pretty sure it's the the blue and green. Nineteen eighty-two. Yeah. Look at me. I Look remember something sometimes. Uh, that is the only one I'm looking forward to out of the three, actually. <laughs> the the what? What's your impression of the the one the main one that they already wore? Um, the the new red kit for this season with the gold accents. Have you have you seen this up close? Well, not in person, but you know, have you seen pictures? Have you seen the detailing? I've I've, I've seen it. Uh... I will tell you my general view on kits. I'm not a huge merch person. I generally, I've bought two Arsenal kits in my entire life because I find them far too expensive. Official Arsenal kits. I buy a lot Official. of uh, knockoffs. Uh, yes. <laughs> but because uh, I don't like to pay $90 for a t-shirt. Uh, my general rule of thumb is white sleeves, red body. I'm fine with it. Uh, I don't get too hung up. As a general trend in football jerseys, the gold detailing isn't something I love because I feel like you should reserve gold for if you're a champion. Mm-hmm. And I remember Russia did it for their World Cup when they had it in 2018 on their kits. And I'm like, it should mean something to have the gold on there. It well, it's, it's, it's for the, the 20th anniversary of the uh, Invincible season. Which is, it, it, it's it's. I guess that's fair. I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't read that part of it, but it, I don't know. I, I, I think there's some of the, some of the detailing has the, you know, WWD, WD, WWW, whatever the, yeah, like season was. But apparently that's only in the uh, authentic kit, not in the, rep- the replica kit. Uh, that you get I'm that. I the knockoffs will not have so that. So you've got to, you've got to, you've got to spend 120, like the $90 one doesn't have it. <laughs> Yeah, and the knockoff definitely won't have it. <laughs> the knockoff, you're going to have to go in with a little sharpie and <laughs> WD, WD. But I think I, I, I'm kind of in agreement with Tim. I think there's there's limited scope for creativity with the home kit because they kind of have to stick by the rules of red shirt, white sleeves. And that doesn't leave an awful lot for them to do. You know, they could add a collar, they can put a trim on it, but ultimately the home kit is never going to look two different year to year. Mm-hmm. It's the away, the away kits and the third kits is where they can really. Yeah. And that's where I think that should happen. you see it with the, the sounders and I always think that the home kit should just be the home kit and just be your identity. And then you can have fun with the away kit and the third kit and special kits and whatever, but really like the identity should be what it has been for the last, you know, what, not a hundred years. It's like ninety years since we adopted that. Yeah, but in, in talking about the second kit, I left the best for last, or maybe the worst for last for Arsenal. Um, have you seen this this bright neon yellow with I don't even know what you call the the design on the on the front of it. It's um I, I, I have not seen those. I've seen the green kit and I've seen the, the home jersey. I haven't seen any other kits, so Oh man, I, I need to find you a picture. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, I've just looked that up. That uh, is... can you uh, or 
<laughs> yeah, do you have a, a link here? Uh, I, uh, yes, I do. I'll put one in the chat. I do not like it. <laughs> Where? It, it's 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 bad. It's so bad. Sorry, I'm trying to ah, clicking the wrong things. There's chat. Sorry, I should. Well, there's chat. <laughs> <laughs> I should pay attention to this. Oh yeah. It's yeah, very oh. very neon yellow. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it it, it does looks, remind me. Look, of, sorry. Look, yeah, it looks like it was designed by a 11 year old on FIFA or something. Oh, <laughs> it does remind <sighs> me of uh, the, uh, the sounders. Like, I think it was the second season. They called it the, uh, highlighter kit and it was, uh, that same yeah. yellow, but with an olive green crest, which was a horrible combination. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's this, this, this doesn't look much better. I'm yeah. I mean, those are colors I wouldn't wear in general, so I don't think I'm like rushing. The, the the black one was so good oh. this year. Like all an all timer, I I'm kicking myself for not buying one, but uh, it looks like the only saving uh, saving grace in this batch is is that uh, third kit. I I haven't seen the official official release of that yet, but I'm I think that would be the one I would get. I just have to wonder who are they doing their market testing with, I, right? Well, I mean, I think going, oh, of, yeah, highlighter green, the highlighter yellow—that's what people want. <laughs> with spots and this, I mean, they they, did, they threw a lot against the wall here. Well, I think with these third kits, these second kits, these non-home kits, what they're they're not appealing to an Arsenal fan with these ones. What they're trying to do is actually sell it to like the sports fashion world. You see, the, mm -hmm. it's much more popular in Europe than it is in the U.S. Of uh, you know, like the Japan kit from a couple of years back in the world, or Nigeria kit in the World Cup as well. Yeah, I would These, like uh, the Nigeria kit. They're they're trying to appeal to a mass market that may not even follow football and are just trying to. Well, I think I I did that as well, didn't they, with their Bob Marley inspired yeah. kit? Yeah, that that people will wear these out of context and they can make a lot of money off of selling these kits. So I, you know, yeah, city has been doing if it they for can a while. Get someone to headline a music festival wearing it, then yeah, that's what they were on. So that's, I think that explains that. I'm sure there's some, like, uh, when it releases, they'll have some speak about how it refers to North London's like pattern <laughs> of the subway. Traffic, or, traffic cones. Yeah, exactly. I think we should add that to our uh, preseason predictions of how how many clothing line drops will oh, Arsenal Jesus have Christ. this season. <laughs> they got me once. They did get me for the with the black kit. I got the uh, the fancy black jacket because I'm like gold cannon black jacket. Yeah, classy. Yeah, yeah. I'm di I'm dying for a new Arsenal jacket, so I'm hopeful something good. Yeah, comes out I'm this still year. I'm still rocking the the blue and gold one from the Puma. Oh, range nice. in about yeah I have, a, or something. I have a red puma one i never wear because for some reason the red that they chose is kind of like orange ish and i just i don't it just doesn't feel right i don't know puma just was not my favorite yeah um okay i think that's that's all we can possibly fit into this episode we've talked about everything um that we could possibly discuss in, in the off season. <laughs> so 
we'll, we'll uh, I, w- I will say our, our episodes may be a little bit uh, scattered during the off season as news tends to trickle out this time of year. Uh, so we will try to, we'll try to get semi-regular episodes out as, uh, you know, Tim, Tim's going to go see the world. We're going to release him. I'm going, so. <laughs> going to see a, a soccer match in Sweden, which I'm super excited about because the Swedish league is still going on. Oh, interesting. So what's, what, when, how long does that season run? What's there? It's roughly the same season as MLS. So they're about 13 games in right now. Uh, okay. All right. Yep. My team is uh, doing that'll be fun. Yeah, my team's doing horribly, but I'll I'll go see a match with them. Oh, yeah. You do you do it. You do it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh that'll be fun. But yeah, we may be um waiting for the, uh, a bit of news to build up before we record again. <laughs> so um expect us to be unexpected here. <laughs> um but uh I gotta say thanks to Joe. We always appreciate you coming on and and uh rounding out the, the the crew here and uh we'll we'll get we'll get you back for preseason predictions oh, yes. again uh in in just a, a few short weeks oh, looking forward to it thanks for having me uh thank you guys uh for listening we appreciate you uh review and subscribe if you haven't done so already and uh hit us up on twitter at w of n london email us at west of north london at gmail.com uh, hit us up on Discord. Come join us by clicking the link in the show notes. And if you haven't done so already, go check out Bobcat. Their website is bobc.at. And uh, you can find all their information there. And that is it for us this week. So as always, see you at the next gun show. Distracting Tim with cats. <laughs> <laughs>